Welcome to the Other Side of Potential podcast, hosted by Dr. Sharon Spano. Each weekly episode takes a deep dive into how successful family business leaders maneuver the unique dynamics between family and business. How do they align to face complex business challenges? How do they build and project generational wealth? In what ways do they pursue a lasting legacy? Join Sharon as she explores how these leaders adapt and respond to the complexity of life and business in our ever-changing world. Good morning, listeners, and thank you for joining The Other Side of Potential. Today, I'm doing a solo cast for our Conscious Community Series, and I'm going to be talking about two things that I'm noticing as people are transitioning back to life and work after the isolation of the pandemic. And those two things are anxiety and broken relationships. Now, we've been talking a bit about collective trauma. I promise you I'm not going to stay on this much longer, but because of what I'm witnessing around the country and even around the world, I feel very strongly that uh, there's some information I, I want to share with you. So I'm sure that we can all agree that while we're not quite to the point of declaring this moment, quote, post-pandemic, we are getting closer as more people are vaccinated and communities begin to open up. Now, I spoke, as I said a moment ago, about the impact of collective trauma in my last solo cast. And if you missed that episode, I invite you to download it wherever you get your podcast. But today, I want to dive a bit deeper into the effects of the pandemic because I'm noticing a considerable amount of anxiety really across all walks of life. And it's coming up in a variety of ways as people make these transitions. Now, let me say that anxiety is one of those words we toss around a lot, and it means a lot of different things to different people. For some, it can show up as an all-out panic attack, shortness of breath, tightness in the chest, a feeling of faintness, or even dizziness. What I hear most often is that people actually feel like they're having a heart attack when such episodes occur. And all this to say that there are many possible reasons for such attacks, and it might be wise to seek medical advice if you've had one or more of these episodes. However, I also want to remind you that adrenal exhaustion can also cause some of these symptoms. I know, for example, that I experienced rapid breathing and a physical sense of overwhelm and almost faintness on several occasions when my son Michael was critically ill. What I didn't know at the time was that I was well into adrenal exhaustion and my body was simply responding to the lack of cortisol at the end of a long, stressful day. So episode 95, if you recall, with Dr. Patty Sanjiti from the Sejun Medical Center here in Orlando, goes into more detail about adrenal exhaustion. I'm always asking my clients to look at that first because few medical doctors pay attention to that unless you go to an endocrinologist and it's often missed and then they write you a prescription and you're down a whole other rabbit trail. So to me, that's the first thing you want to look at and then try to discern what to do about it. And I'm not going to go into that today because, again, Dr. Patty Sanjiti talked a lot about that in episode 95. But I just want to stress that before you go rushing off to the emergency room or the nearest psychiatrist for anxiety medication, let me offer you a few additional points to consider. 
First of all, anxiety can be a symptom of trauma being trapped in the body. And when we are placed in stressful situations, like a year and a half of worry and stress over our financial situations, the health and well-being of our loved ones, the incessant news of violence, political division, and all the ongoing effects of the pandemic at a global and national level, we are, as I've stated before, in a state of collective trauma. So prolonged fear and stress places the body into the fight or flight response. Nothing new here, but when the stress morphs into heightened states of anxiety, this is often an indicator that we're in a frozen state. And in this frozen state, trauma can be trapped in the body. The body will tell us exactly what it needs. However, we rarely listen because we're too busy up in our heads trying to figure out how to repress and move on to whatever is next on our already burdened to-do list. So when I think of a frozen state being lived out in real time, I want to offer you an example of the renowned work of Peter Levine, who works exclusively on the somatic release of trauma in the body. Among other scenarios, Levine has worked with soldiers experiencing the effects of PSTD. You can see his work all over YouTube. And I remember him showing a YouTube video of the polar bear, of a specific polar bear, being hunted and tracked by a helicopter for research purposes in the Arctic, I believe it was. And we'll have a link for that video in the show notes. What you'll see in the video is this polar bear running for his life as he experiences the life-threatening danger of this helicopter pursuing him overhead. And yes, he is in the flight response because he somehow innately knows that he cannot obviously fight the harrowing effects of a much larger threat that's airborne. What he doesn't know is that the helicopter is actually full of scientists who want to tag him for future research. Nonetheless, the perceived threat is real to him. And when the bear is eventually taken down by by way of of an injection, they actually shoot this from the air into him and it knocks him out, puts him to sleep, and the researchers land to witness the bear's ongoing flight response. So his legs continue to move as though he's actually running. He whimpers in fear. His rapid breath and heart rate all indicate a continued flight response, even though the event is over and he's completely unconscious. If you're experiencing anxiety attacks, you are that polar bear. Yes, you are still running under the threat of the pandemic or whatever else is surrounding you and all that it represents. And the difference is you can do something about the stress or pressure you're experiencing. And in my last episode, I believe I talked about meditation and some other more natural forms that I know have personally not only changed my life, but benefited me tremendously through the most stressful, traumatic experiences in my life. So I personally wouldn't rush into a pharmaceutical remedy that may only exacerbate symptoms without first exploring other options, many of which, as I said, I've discussed in earlier episodes. But for now, I want to shift your focus to some of the other issues that may be further adding to your stress and causing you additional anxiety during this time of transition. And the first is adapting to crowded open spaces. I think we're all struggling with that. We have been in isolation. Some of you haven't left your home in months and months, maybe even throughout the entire year and a half. 
some of the mandates with respect to masking and social distancing are slowly lifting as the vaccine becomes readily available and we're opening up our work and social spaces. This isn't happening, though, as readily in other parts of the country. I know from many of the colleagues that I interface with. Wherever you are, I want to recommend that you pay attention to how these moments of re-entry are affecting you. For instance, some of the things I'm hearing about and even experiencing myself are more irritability in social spaces like supermarkets, gas stations, traffic, anywhere that has a lot of people, places where you're no longer used to being with groups of people. So I I was up on the avenue here in Orlando in Winter Park, for instance, on Mother's Day weekend. And I was astonished at the amount of people up there when just a year ago, there wasn't a soul and it's gradually increased, but it kind of took me back as I stood at the traffic light. I looked around and I thought, oh my gosh, you know, it's Mother's Day weekend, it's graduation, there's families up here with their children that are graduating, having lunch, there was a a festival. I mean, it was just, I, I drove around for 30 minutes, just to give you an example, trying to find parking. And as I stood at the stop signal, the stoplight there waiting to cross, I was a little bit unnerved because half were wearing masks, half weren't. And I had to make a decision. How am I going to maneuver this crowd? And, and what, do I want to, what do I want to do here? Because it's just been so long since I've been on a crowded, busy street. So you want to pay attention to where you're feeling anxious, irritable, wherever it's happening, wherever people are out and about. Again, because some are wearing masks, many are not. Restaurants and retail retail stores have lost employees and many have regained new employees that may not be necessarily as trained as you've been used to having in a particular environment or store. So I want to suggest that we must be patient with each other, with yourself and with others. Don't overdo it. Don't ask too much of those around you because we're all doing the best we can. And it's going to take us some time, as it always does when we go through trauma, to re-adapt and re-enter. So give yourself room to be uncomfortable, pay attention to when and where it's happening, but also give others space as they too are transitioning into more open spaces. The second point that I've really noticing and hearing a lot of people talk about that I kind of uh, briefly touched on a moment ago is really maneuvering freeways, interstates, and street traffic. Because for quite some time now, we've enjoyed less traffic, and it's been quite wonderful. Uh, That is quickly changing as more and more people get back to work. I know here in Orlando, the traffic to the beaches every weekend has been extraordinary. And I know for myself, the first time I got on our ever busy interstate I-4, I was surprised to notice how unnerved I was by the speed of traffic. As a result of the pandemic and the economic situation, we have had a lot of new people migrate to the Orlando area from New York and Miami. And and maybe it's just my imagination, but they seem to drive faster and honk more. Don't get me wrong. I'm not judging them. I'm from LA and I'm a fast driver and I can honk with the best of them. It's the nature of the beast in larger cities, but it's just not something I'm not used to here in Orlando. And I notice a very obvious difference in the way people are driving. But I also notice that within myself, I'm a little bit uncomfortable because truthfully, I haven't been 
on the interstate or frank, quite, quite frankly, haven't driven across town or into another county since COVID. I mean, in the last few weeks, I've been uh, venturing out a little bit more, but it, it was quite interesting. I felt like a farm girl, like first time in the big city, I didn't quite know how to respond. But basically, I'm asking you that you notice how the spaces you're in as you move into this re-entry season are impacting your sense of well-being, particularly your body. If people or places are causing you undue stress or anxiety, pay attention to how your body is responding and perhaps consider another approach or strategy that will help you ease back into the world. What you don't want to do is ignore the fact that you have been through a very traumatic season in life. Because again, failure to acknowledge where you are will only create a frozen state of anxiety that will cause you uh, health issues in the future. So beyond the physical symptoms I briefly outlined or the emotional, I want you to also notice the mental states, not just irritability, as I alluded to a moment ago, because many of us are going through a season where our mental health seems affected in very nuanced ways. Maybe, for instance, an increased sense of isolation or fear, anxiousness. I've I've talked about anxiety, uncertainty, doubt about what the future holds, a very normal response given what we've been through. I'm hearing a lot of conversation about the inability to focus, maybe even a numbness. Certainly among my colleagues, a loss of creativity. I know for myself, I I haven't been able to write for, for many, many months. I just didn't feel like I had anything to say. It was very strange. So most of us have been working at home under considerable stress, and you probably haven't had a break or vacation since the onset of COVID. And and I think what we need to acknowledge is, quite frankly, it's time for a break. It is time for you to get out, do something fun, even if it's just for an afternoon. When I was mentioning being in in our town here of Winter Park a few Sundays or, or Saturdays ago, that was, I just needed to get outside and walk around and see the flowers and be in the air and see people. I needed to be around people. So you've got to figure out what that is for you, what you feel safe doing and do it. What I want you to get is that these are normal emotional and, and, and mental states that impact how we reintegrate into the world. If they are serious enough some of these states that might be adverse and maybe debilitating to you, and you can't seem to shake these sensations off, then again, I want to encourage you to seek counsel, therapy, you know, mentor, talk to some of your colleagues or even a coach, because we're all dealing with helping people in these ways. I really cannot stress this enough because the pandemic and all that goes along with it is an event that offers up a unique opportunity for growth. You know, I'm always going to go there, listeners, because this whole show is about the other side of potential, right? Uh, But if you need someone, as we often do, to walk alongside us during this time to make meaning of all that we've been through, then please seek people uh, in the arenas that I've talked about. And if you need need recommendations, you know, I'd be happy to, to help with that. Whatever you're experiencing, nothing. Nothing is too small or so big that you have to go it alone. Which leads me to my next point. Some of you have lost relationships during this season, whether it be a death, separation from coworkers, or even uh, relationships that have been strained or lost 
just due to the political, social, health, and economic environments of this time. Relationship shifts or losses, I find, are are often the most difficult to move through because obviously if we're in a relationship with someone, we have an emotional connection to that person. Now, if the loss is related to the death of a loved one, because so many of you have lost loved ones during the pandemic, you obviously want to give yourself time to grieve in a way that honors the person who's died, but you also need to give yourself time and space to grieve. And I've written quite a bit about grief And many of my blogs, as as you probably know, if you've been listening or following me as a result of the death of my son, Michael, some years ago. So what I know is that grief is a process that doesn't end when the memorial or funeral is over, even though we act as though that is the end. And we say things like, oh, now you can get on with your life. That that is not the way that it works. It takes time and it evolves and it's different for each and every one of us. So the main thing I would encourage you to think about is to acknowledge what has happened and what is lost. Because when we acknowledge, it's a way to integrate the loss into who you are. So the loss doesn't have to define you, but it can inform you. And in doing so, actually enrich your life moving forward. If, on the other hand, you're struggling with a relationship that has run its course, and by this I mean that your time of connection has changed with this person, there are, always, there are ways also to honor what's been so that you can move into whatever is next. Because we all know there's seasons in our relationships. And I've seen many, many people through this last year and a half where the relationships have changed. So I want to remind you that we are in an evolutionary period of history. And what this means is that many things, many systems are changing at a rapid pace. So naturally our relationships are being impacted by these changes as we all have different interpretations of what's happening, different opinions as to why and what this all means to include what is right and what is wrong what should and shouldn't be tolerated, what's good, what's evil, what's fact, and what's fiction. And these are very dualistic ways of thinking. It's black, it's white, it's right, it's wrong. What I know from my work in developmental movement in human beings is that as you move into what we call the later stages, and you've often heard me talk about the later stages, you start to develop what's called a non-dualistic way of thinking, which means, and it's far more complex than I can say in a few seconds, but it means that you start to accept what is, you start to accept that people have different ideas from you, you start to listen better, to be more curious, and things are not so black and white. For for most of us, that's a real challenge, unless you're doing a lot of really deep work on yourself to reach those different levels of thinking. For now, I think we can all agree that we are in a volatile climate. That's pretty much an understatement. So in my interactions with people from all walks of life across the globe, I'm hearing a lot of conversation about relationships breaking apart because this person wasn't, quote, who I thought he or she was, or I thought we had the same values, only to discover we're on completely different planets. And a lot of this is, again, coming out of the pandemic, people not believing that it's real, people adamant that it is, do we wear masks, do we not, do we take the, the vaccine, do we not? And, and so it's, it's just very interesting how when we're under this level of stress, we can, go, we can be so polarized over everything, but sometimes even over the smallest things, although I, I don't know that any of us would think masks are a small 
thing if you believe in them. But if you don't believe in them, then that's a whole other matter. So that's where the, the, the discourse comes in. But in the middle of this transition, I'd say that it's wise then to ask yourself, what is my place in this relationship? If you're finding yourself struggling with a specific relationship, no matter the nature of it. And I emphasize the word place because place is one of the key principles that affects systems and human dynamics. So I encourage you to think of it this way. Each of us belongs to a variety of systems from our family systems to our relational systems at work to those in our communities, our country and everything in between. And we think of our relationships in the context of systems. Again, when we think of it in the context of systems, some of the pressure of right versus wrong is relieved because when you look at the system, it helps you really be more objective as to what's going on and the situation becomes far less personal. For example, many of us are finding ourselves asking the question, where do I fit in this relationship? Because much of what I thought to be true about the people in my life has changed. Well, here's the thing. The goal is to be with what is and to know that everything is not personal to you, as I said earlier. So people are stressed and overwhelmed for many of the reasons I've stated above. And when we consider our place in the relationship and stop taking everything as personal, the tension then is released in that particular system. And we often find that we can maintain the relationship, even though it may look different than it did before. Another thing I want you to consider is the balance of exchange, which is another essential element of of systems that I feel I've been required to talk about quite a bit lately as people are sharing with me some of their challenges. So more specifically, what is the exchange between the people involved? Who is doing the giving and who is doing the receiving? In times of stress, there's typically one person who feels they are doing or giving more than the other. And this could be a real or perceived position, but nonetheless worthy of consideration. So if the balance of exchange is off, as as in one is giving more than they are receiving, the relationship will suffer. For example, for many of you working at home who have also been bearing the added responsibility of homeschooling during the pandemic, not to mention keeping up the house and cooking and marketing and all. Well, if, you're, if your husband or wife or partner continue focusing on business all day, they're kind of locked up in their little corner of the house working while you're trying to manage all the rest of it. And that individual is acting as though the added pressure of homeschooling weren't in the mix. Well, I think it's fairly obvious the balance of exchange would be off. And I find it useful to name what's happening here rather than point fingers. So this type of imbalance is what many of you have been experiencing. And the result is often an unhappy couple struggling to keep all the balls in the air. And certainly this this type of imbalance eventually results in resentment. And let me just add that I'm hearing it from business leaders as well as many leaders and coworkers wonder, feel if everyone on the team is doing their part because, you know, while they're working remote, you know, do we really know if the output is what it should be? So I want you to start by acknowledging that there's an ebb and flow of emotions when this exchange is off. And those, that ebb and flow often includes anger maybe even apathy after a while, resentment, 
And yes, even anxiety if this is going on over a prolonged period of time. So in short, you must figure out how to restore the balance of exchange. And this is pretty obvious that it would begin with communicating about who's doing what and what is needed from one another. And I often find with my clients, they need a third party, particularly if it's a husband and wife, to kind of help them move through some of these conversations. And and I want to stress that the ebb and flow should not necessarily include trying to fix the other person. Rather, it may require a period of letting go. And by letting go, I mean figuring out what you have the power to change and then what you might need to change in yourself. Because often when the balance of exchange is off, there's a payoff for us, even if we're the person on the wrong side of of the of the exchange. So you always want to begin and 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 start to look at what it is that you are doing that might be exacerbating this situation. An easy example of that is I find that women often won't ask their husbands for help or will tend to take on more and more and more in the effort to be the super mom and then and then we wind up angry at them because we're exhausted at the end of the day and they didn't do what we expected of them as though they could read our minds. And so we, we want to be careful, whatever side of the fence you're on, that you're first looking at yourself and, and what you might need to let go of and what you might need to change within yourself. Another strategy that I find helpful when recognizing that the balance of exchange is off is to determine what is the other person's currency. By this, I mean, what does he or she need to do in order to feel valued and safe. For instance, my husband loves to cook. That's that one of his his love language is is acts of service. And so I've learned to just let that go. Like I I want to be in there and I and 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 I I sometimes can get to a point of resentment because he's not letting me in the kitchen to do more. I know women out there are shaking their heads like really that's that's a problem I wish I had. But the truth is you know, it's something he enjoys doing. It can come off as control to me sometimes, but I've learned that that's his currency, his 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 way of showing that he cares. It's also, he will be the first to say how he relaxes. And so when you understand what someone's currency is and what it is that they need to feel valued and safe, it's going to be easier for you to maneuver that balance of exchange far easier. Another example I can give you is one of my clients recognized that she needed to be in control of things in the business and in the household, whereas what her spouse really needed was to be valued for his intellectual contribution to the family system and his ability to effectively problem solve. So you could see where there might be a clash there. She's trying to control things and he's trying to problem solve things. So, but then in understanding what what does she need to control, what can she let go of, and where can he intervene with his contributions, it starts to balance things out a little bit better and there's far less conflict. Okay, so in closing then, let me recap. If you're experiencing signs of anxiety, depression, loss of creativity, or the inability to focus, please do not ignore these symptoms. Try and determine if they're related to something going on in your overall health or if perhaps you just need more time to adapt to re-entry into this post-pandemic world. Secondly, if any of these symptoms are impacting your relationships, 
look at where the balance of exchange might be off. And once you identify the where, you can then determine the path forward. If I can be of any help as you move through this time of transition, you can feel free to schedule a discovery call with me. There's no charge for that. And you can do that at um, go.oncehub.com forward slash Sharon Spano, or you can reach me at Sharon at SharonSpano.com. My website, as you know, is SharonSpano.com. And then I'll challenge you as I close out, as I always do, listeners, to continue the process of personal and professional development. This is a very unique time in history a very unique time in your own life and you want to use it well, dive deep and see what you've learned from this time and how you can grow from it. And then to always remember that these are transitional moments. They're messy. They bring up a lot of emotions and different states within us. But again, they're opportunities for greater self-awareness. And as I always say, a call to step into your other side of potential. Until next time, this is Dr. Sharon Spano reminding you to stay healthy and well. God bless. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Other Side of Potential podcast. Please leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform so we can continue helping family businesses thrive. For more information on how Dr. Spano can help you in your own family business, visit SharonSpano.com to schedule a complimentary consultation.